Today is July 29th, 2019. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Native Calgarian is recorded on the lands of the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the imposed U.S.-Canadian borders are the Blackfeet. North of the border are the Siksika, Gunai, and Bigani of the Confederacy. These lands are now on Treaty 7, signed in 1877 with signatories that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Stony Nakoda, now Wesley, Chiniki, and Bearspawn Nations, and the Sutina Nation. We acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit status, and non-status across Turtle Islands as the keepers of these lands. My spirit name is Red Thunder Woman, and my humblest apologies to the Blackfoot elders and language keepers as I try to learn the proper pronunciation. I honor the Blackfoot. My name is Michelle Ron Robinson, and I was born here in Calgary as Michelle Elliott, another very English name which has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Denny, or Satu Denny, but my Indian Act and Post status card by the Canadian government says Yellow Knives Denny. My father is so Canadian that I am the daughter of the Mayflower, daughter of the American Revolution, while having an Indian Act and Post status card. I acknowledge my Denny lineage and that I was born in Calgary, but my family is not part of the Treaty 7 signatories. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Hare people, also called the Great Bear Lake people, in Treaty 11. I am a native to, the tur to Turtle Island, and my Dene nation is a visitor to this area of Clinchotine Indahe, meaning Many Horse Town, named after the Calgary Stampede. Land acknowledgements are a critical way of creating a safer space for Indigenous people, as well as honoring the host as a guest. And um, this has become more and more of an issue with folks not understanding land acknowledgements and their critical need. So um, we actually did a little bit of work at Voices on that as well. And uh, yeah, I guess you'll probably be seeing that in the Calgary Pride um, handout. Anyway, any mistakes or misinterpretations will be on me. I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous. I do not speak on behalf of anybody except myself. I just share what I know as I walk down the red road. If you're experiencing emotional distress after hearing anything we talk about today and, and want to talk, you can call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It is toll-free and it is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Non-Indigenous, there are distress lines in your area for you too. Uh, my Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Let's say thank you to the previous donors for already showing your support to the show. If you value listening and can afford to give, thank you. For those that cannot afford to give but listen in, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com, where you can send in your comments or questions. We are also on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. So, folks, um, geez, I feel like I have so much to say as per usual, and, uh, you know, the time will go by quick, I'm sure, so I hope that I can uh, get a lot of it done in a short period of time. So, where to start? Um, let's start with a conversation I love to talk a lot about, and that's um, issues with with pride and the LGBT community and racism and that um, intersectionality that's really missing. And uh, this conversation is really incredibly important to have at many levels, and I hope that I'll explain why through a few different things. So first and foremost, Pride had a crosswalk that um, they were presenting, and this crosswalk was actually a private donation 
by by a group of fellas, and I was really happy to meet one of them and let them know how much I appreciated it. The irony being, even though that this was privately sponsored, there were so many folks who lost it online and were like, oh, what about our tax money? Blah, 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 blah. And I, so one, they never read the articles about the crosswalks, but two, because if they did, then they would know that this is kind of a thing. But I guess the other point that I really don't understand why people miss is how do people not know that, you know, the gay people, they actually pay taxes too. The gays pay taxes, folks. There's nothing else you get out of my message. I hope it's that. And uh, actually, it was somebody else who made fun of me saying that because they're like, you know, the irony of an Indian telling the world that gays pay taxes, right? I'm like, yes, yes, I know. Every single day, I got to tell people, you know, I pay taxes too, as do most natives. And, you know, lots of natives have never had a penny of their education paid for, contrary to what everybody thinks. And yet here I am, you know, advocating for for the LGBTQ2 plus community and trying to explain, hey, you know, they pay taxes. So even if this was publicly funded, it's not like they don't have the right as they are a huge part of our community. And for conservatives or folks that just only care about money, 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 you know, they do pay taxes. So if that's your qualifier of whether or not somebody is uh, so-called your neighbor, I can't believe I have to continue to have this conversation but it is what it is. And here we are. So anyway, I was really honored that Calgary Pride had asked me to be a part of that um, and to talk about land acknowledgement and the re- land acknowledgement, but also the bigger picture, too, that there was actually two flags. So there was one flag that was for the transgender community. And uh, there was another flag that was the rainbow flag. But it also added brown and black, which I thought was wonderful for everybody to try to start including more queer people of color, more LGBTQ2 plus that identify as, you know, not white, because that's been a real issue for the last three years that we've had to be dealing with. Um, Hence why voices even had to exist, right? So um, with that, I wanted to mention that a lot of people don't know what the brown and the black part means. So, you know, our the uh, executive director kept referring to it as the Philly flag because it was uh, actually Philadelphia's queer uh, people of color, indigenous, that uh, worked really hard at talking about racism, racism within the LGBTQ plus community. I try not to add the two, but it's hard when you're talking about you know, non-racialized and racialized, and you're used to always using two in the acronym. So anyway, they were doing this hard work about uh, racism in the community and uh, worked really hard at creating a rainbow flag with the brown and the black. So that was part of that message. Um, But, you know, a lot of other, you'll see the uh, QTIP, a POC flag that has a rainbow, but then also the transgender triangle with the black in it. And uh, anyway, the whole point of this is to talk about how at least now the flags are starting to represent some of the, you know, diversity within the community. And uh, and we do have to acknowledge racism and white supremacy in the LGBTQ community, <laughs> me trying not to say too, in order to start, you know, talking about how we have to... Um, we have to honor everyone and uh, voices. I just shared this video on, on 
our Twitter and our Facebook account because one of our members had shown it to us all. And it was just a small documentary on Stonewall. And even then, um, you know, our lead people that we talk about with Stonewall, this black trans, had had to take the mic and be like, and she was getting booed. And I'm sure if we listened hard, we'd listened, we could hear the N-word. And she was basically saying, like Sylvia Rivert, she was saying, um, here I am, you know, we're supposed to be united and you guys are trying to keep me from the mic. And, um, you know, this is all about white supremacy and, and the whole time she's just being booed. So it really has always shown the division, even in the LGBT community, um, how trans have not been included and how racialized folks have not always been included. So I really thought that was a really great video to showcase that, you know, that white supremacist racist um, belief system was even at their very first protest pride where they had their speeches and they had the mic and they, they talked together. And it, it's shocking, actually, to listen and to watch. And it's awful. But, I mean, ultimately, it's 2019. And there are folks that still don't understand racism being experienced in the community. So that's why it's so important to acknowledge with that flag beyond just the rainbow colors. And I, I really thought it was a wonderful thing that both Calgary Pride and the private sponsors were willing to, you know, honor and maintain that commitment for at least 10 years. That's amazing. And I, I th I'm really honored to be there to talk about the, the message. And uh, so I did try to talk about that bigger picture, that bigger message of two spiritness. Um, and it's not two spiritness, I should say that uh, the concept of two spirit and how it how it began, and uh, for those who do not know, those who maybe missed the whole thing, um, two spirit are indigenous only LGBTQ two plus, and the reason for that is that you know there's that bigger picture of colonialism that matters. I remember being at a pride meeting and having somebody say, "Oh well, I'm looking forward to the day that we don't need a pride," um, meaning that you know, LGBTQ2 plus rights aren't oppressed. And the irony being is that's exactly what we had before colonialism and before the imposed Christian binary on this world. So um, we had that and everybody had their role. And I didn't get a chance to tell Harlan. So Harlan was in town this weekend. Uh, Hillhurst United Church had an, an affirming weekend conference so there actually were folks from all across the country from United Churches that were committed to um, having LGBTQ2 plus diversity within the United Church, having a conference and, and learning and talking about how they continue to be good allies to the LGBTQ2 plus community within the United Church. So hats off to the United Church, the Hillhurst United Church for doing that work and for the second year in a row, bringing in Harlan Pruden so that I could meet Harlan and and chat and learn from him. And so for those who do not know who Harlan Pruden is, he is the guy. Um, he's a Cree two-spirit man, and he does this amazing work in the U.S. and in Canada. He was one of the original people that were in, that was in New York. Anyway, he, um, he worked really hard in the U.S. Uh, drug administration and developed a lot of curriculum and such towards um, HIV um, 
and that that's really specific to the indigenous community. Another thing that he's the founder and creator of is the Two Spirit Journal. Um, he last year he did a media literacy training course with voices so that we could learn how to do things like media releases and such. So, um, and ever since I've taken his media literacy course, I see it now everywhere. Um, and I thought that the uh, Alberta Liberals did a really great job of that, which is obvious because Gary um, was kind of in charge of our media stuff, but that's neither here nor there. I see it with all sorts of different organizations, um, nonprofits, and um, and I really appreciated that training last year. And then this year to see him, and he's actually, he's doing really good work out in, oh, so for those who do not know, he proudly has been fired by Trump. And, uh, which is amazing, because then BC hired him to do, um, in the their healthcare hired him to help them with um, a bunch of curriculum when it comes to HIV. And so the work he's doing right now is actually talking to straight people, straight indigenous people like me, and educating them about the issues that Two-Spirit are facing so that when they go back into their communities, they can start spreading that message about the issues that Two-Spirit are facing. So amazing work that he's always doing. And, um, you know, I I really applaud um, him and, and everything about him. I just... I've, I feel really grateful to learn from him. And one of the things that I was, I was telling him that I was super excited about was I took, um, a course about mending broken hearts through the white bison society. And I told him my, my hesitations at first that, you know, um, is, is this even legit and that? And then I, I started talking about it and I said, but, you know, it is very clear to me that this was indigenous led. And he's like, oh, I know Don. <laughs> Don, the founder of White Bison, like no biggie, you know, so they obviously have a long history together. And that makes sense because Don, uh, the founder of White Bison, he um, developed the medicine wheel curriculum. And that's based off of the 12 step program. So anyway, they call it Wellbriety. And my husband has taken that and I've taken now the Mending Broken Hearts component of it. So we're hoping that we can start launching something locally here. And the charity that sponsored me to go, um, of course, I missed their meeting last night because I was with Harlan. <laughs> but uh, we're talking about setting a date and then starting some well-variety courses and, and such. And those would be free to the public. And in my case, uh, Mending Broken Hearts, I mean, it'll be for anyone who who wants to basically learn this process of, you know, grief, um, loss, unresolved relationships, and just going through the process over and over again. So even for me, I have homework I have to do on that. But tomorrow, I have to work on my finances for the Alberta Liberals and getting that election done, so that that way all my paperwork is finally done. And then I can focus on me and moving forward in a good way. So um, anyway, back to Harlan. So Harlan, who has, you know, he's, uh, you know, PhD student working on, um, on uh, amazing work with either, you know, drug prevention, HIV prevention, uh, one of the leading experts on, on that. He, he does a, a wonderful two-spirit presentation of all of the research that he's done over the years about what he knows on two-spirit to folks so everyone knows what two-spirit are. And... Um, Again, I talked to him about Don, and he actually told me that he approved 
the funding grant. Like he was, he understood how the funding worked in order to even put together the course. So it was really um, a huge relief off my shoulders because then I knew that not just that this was legitimate because I knew that after going through the whole course, but that bigger picture that um, Harlan not only knew about it, but he approved of it. And then he told me the story and, um, you know, I was getting choked up. He was getting choked up about it, but basically Don, the founder of white buys and had a huge conference and there was a table full of, as Harlan would say, you know, the, all of us gays and, uh, but the indigenous um, community that was, that identifies as two spirit were, they were there and um, they were developing, they were all there to talk about this issue. And, you know, two spirit don't necessarily feel welcomed and wanted always. And I mean, here in Calgary, <laughs> it's like a raw open wound if you look on Twitter. But anyway, um, what Don had done, the founder, was he got up and in his opening speech, basically talked about two spirit, talked about the LGBTQ2 plus in such a positive way and said that we're basically developing this with them in mind at the f- forefront and um, yeah, so then that I kind of got really choked up thinking about that, as did Harlan, because um, it just legitimizes a lot of things. And I said to Harlan, you know, we have a lot of unhealthy males in the in the community, and so much so that a lot of women, a lot of LGBTQ2+, they don't go to the powwows, they don't go to ceremonies, they don't go to a lot of places where we know these harmful men are going to be. Um, you know, how many women have had awful stories. Anyway, that's why I'm taking Mending Broken Hearts and, and becoming a facilitator for that so that we can start talking about that and empowering folks to know that I don't really care if some abuser is at a powwow. Um, they don't have power over us. Um, and then they do in so many ways. So that's why obviously I focus on systemic racism issues and hopefully we'll you know, be working towards ending a lot of that. But there's so much bigger, bigger issues to talk about when it comes to gendered violence. And folks don't see that connection of women, girls and two spirit together. And that's obvious right now on Twitter here in Calgary, let me tell you. So uh, yeah, so I guess maybe I'll I'll talk a little bit about that. Um, You know, voices has been trying to do some work with Calgary Pride about, um, you know, understanding racism and such. And they have this brilliant executive director. And I wish everybody would pray for them right now because, you know, right now is that constant, you never make anybody happy (laughs) um, organizing. And that's what they're doing right now. And because that person has been such a great ally to queer people and to people of color, to um, Indigenous a lot of folks are not very happy with the work that the board, new board is doing as well as the executive director. But I think it's fantastic because they're acknowledging so many problematic intersectionalities that have uh, plagued the, the prides and, you know, do they go far enough? Nobody goes far enough for me, but that doesn't matter. What does matter is that they are trying to do some good work. So, and what is happening is that there's been a lot of like white supremacist, type rhetoric on these things like oh what does indigenous have to do with pride (laughs) everything folks I, I don't know how you can you know take anyone who 
is indigenous and identifies as LGBTQ2+, and just go, eh, you, you don't matter. And because it's, of course, the foundation that we have here in Canada of colonialism, nobody knows what that means, but they keep perpetuating, you know, that white supremacist uh, view system. So it's been really difficult to see the fights online, you know, um, and, and people still not understanding the gravity of Rachel Notley coming out after Evan's yellow old woman had pride. And, you know, Evans did this amazing land acknowledgement that talked about the gravity of the land to indigenous people, you know, the years of colonialism, how it's been stolen, just to have Rachel Notley come out and be like, build that pipe, build that pipe. And uh, yeah, it was really an awful moment. And we've had a call out on our on our website, on our Twitter, and yet nothing's been done. So here we are just working on, uh, you know, trying to explain that to folks who, you know, I know that the NDP... They may have even read some of the TRC, but I know for me, I mean, I have a whole copy, and I've said this on previous podcasts, I have a whole series copy of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission Calls to Action and all of their uh, books, simply because an NDPer was like, oh, I don't need this. I don't see my role as a Calgarian, Albertan, and as, as a Canadian in me reading these books. So that sucks, let me tell you, to know that. And, and I just outright told in the NDP MLA, like, you know, what have you implemented that was the calls to justice? Because ultimately, we still have Calgary police shooting, shooting and killing Indigenous women in my area. So, you know, how is there such a disconnect? It's one thing to be proud of your, your um, party on trying to do the right thing on Indigenous issues. But that... <laughs> You know, acknowledging that we're here and that we exist is a big difference between actually implementing the reports that are like long and numerous. Um, anyway, so I, because I, I think, because I just had this meeting recently today, and I, I think because of that meeting, like it was so, I'm still processing it, but it's really crystal clear to me how there's still that huge disconnect where it's like, you know, reading and understanding um, the TRC is not the same thing as understanding your position of power, understanding colonialism, and actually putting forward policies and laws that actually start making those changes that were laid out in, in these books, because that just wasn't even on their radar. That wasn't something that was being done. So, yeah, we're... And and it's hard because I tried to have a conversation and one person that w I was with, the aide, was so defensive. I was like, well, you're not going to get better with the conservatives. I'm like, I'm not suggesting we are. But just because the bar is set so bloody low for politicians where it's like, hi, I can smile at you because you're gay yeah. compared to uh, we're actually going to put in some really great policies that stop the oppression of gay people. Big difference. And of course, that's not even talking about indigenous issues because... Frankly, you know, all of those anti-racism racism grants really should have gone to educating all the public servants into not just anti-racism training, but active, like, Indigenous education. So, you know, thankfully I have a few nurses that follow my work and they're, they're talking uh, to me and telling me, you know, their thoughts and opinions on my podcast. So big shout out to you folks who are listening and, um, you know, giving me feedback, whether on person or online. Speaking of which, oh, I don't want to derail this conversation, but I just wanted to read to you 
a friend of mine from Sylvan Lake, what she wrote. I, I did not expect this to come at all. And, uh, oh, I'm just scrolling up and noticing what we've been talking since 2016 on these issues. And in 2016, you know, I I gave a bunch of resources like APTN, you know, Eighth of Fire, the 94 Calls to Action, and I would come and such. So anyway, on Saturday, I get this private message and she goes, hey, Michelle, how are you doing? You know, I have sat down to type this message out for some time and then stop and think about I would prefer to write it out and send it to you. Then I think about how I'd rather say it to you in person. She goes, I just wanted to thank you. I don't know if you remember, but I very much do. About 11 years ago, we exchanged a couple of comments regarding the national anthem, which projected actually a huge spotlight on my lack of knowledge and nativity on pretty much everything. I remember thinking a day or two after that conversation that uh, my entire life, I had not a clue about anything. And then I felt ashamed and embarrassed for publicly showing how naive I am. Mm, that's sweet. Um, and I can tell you similar stories, hon. So thank you for sharing that. Um, it was then I decided I needed to educate myself. Thank you for that. But it was a grain of dirt um, who was against hate, discrimination, racism, sexism, homophobia, etc., etc., but without understanding the true history, the true statistics, the truth, period. Now I'm still just a seed, even after years and years of trying to understand more, and I will never fully be able to understand any of it because I am white. But at least I am a seed planted now. And with continued education, I will continue to grow. And bloody hell do I feel the same way where, you know, I feel like every day I'm learning something new. I don't know how to type this out that I'm sorry and that I will be a better person and uh, better said person. But I, I can hug you as well. Um, I am sorry for a lifetime of oppression, brutality, abuse, abduction, murder, rape, uh, discrimination, racism, colonialism, and marginalization. Just general hate. <laughs> I'm sorry for being disrespectful because of my lack of understanding, my ignorance. Although I can say it well, all well, it was well and well intended. That simply isn't an excuse enough. Um, it's just isn't and shouldn't be accepted as one. I enjoy your podcasts and can't tell you how much I appreciate your free vital information. Uh, people pay a fortune in university and I never learn what I have learned. Thank you. Again, because history isn't easily obtained, the real history, you have encouraged me to seek, seek it out on my own. As I said, I'm just the smallest of seeds, and I don't pretend I think I know anything, but I truly am working to learn more and more every day. Uh, thank you, Michelle, for your daily posts, your podcast, your wisdom, knowledge, and your heart, and for sharing it all. So I said, I love you, and I mean it. While I don't remember that interaction... In fact is, look at how open-hearted you were about learning. I have lost many Sylvan Lake friends because they did not want to learn. I'm so stoked to read this and would be honored if I could post it, even if you wanted to remain anonymous. And she said, I have lost many friends and even family since my, my birth. Laugh out loud. That's what I call it. Laugh out loud. To see how much religion has been an influence in the hate, while my entire life had to be re-looked at. Everything I learned had to be re-evaluated. And in and one moment in my life, 
11 years ago changed everything. And you can post if you like, as long as you understand that it was said with the most genuine of heart and not for any sort of recognition. A true testimony, though, to the power of knowledge and opening one's heart to allow the knowledge to be retained and understood. Ah, if only you knew how you are such a pivotal person in my life, but it can't be described. Everyone that goes through any big change will always remember the person or moment that brought them to that point. And for me, you are that person. <sighs> Holy. And then my heart grew three sizes bigger. Jeez Louise. I, um, I invited her on my podcast and she said she's pretty terrified about the idea. So I'm hoping in time that I will be able to nail her down for a date and you will get to hear from her in, in person because <sighs> I can't tell you there are days when I, when I lose, you know, friends from Sylvan Lake and think, you know, they, they will be ones I will never, never get through to their head what's going on. And, and it breaks my heart. I mean, you know, you're never going to get all of the racists to understand. But, you know, a lot of folks talk about just changing one heart and one mind. And when I get messages like that, and from people I literally grew up with, like her and I, like I, I'm sure if I went through my basement photos, I would find pictures of her and uh, us as freckled-faced morons being as cute as a button at the time. And, um, you know, just having fun. And, and unfortunately, I can also show you lots of pictures of those same kids that I was jumping off the pier with or swimming in Sylvan Lake that I will never have a relationship with again, simply based off the fact that they don't, they're committed to misunderstanding me. And, uh, you know, and it sucks because uh, <laughs> I've actually had people say, well, you don't understand our ways. And I'm like, Bitch, I fucking grew up in your ways. <laughs> so I fucking know your ways. Um, the problem has been unlearning and going back to, you know, the ways that we can and trying to incorporate old ways into new ways or, uh, I guess, indigenous ways into the established, um, you know, colonial settler ways and working together on these things. And you know, I have some really shitty experiences to tell you about, but at the same time, I really want to share a win like that one too, because sometimes that's, that's the hope we need too. I have my daughter. I have, you know, the hope of what life is going to look through her eyes. And when I see some of the other indigenous youth and what they're thinking about, what their goals are and what their aspirations are, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. That's what I want for all of our youth. And so I have that hope, but sometimes in this so-called time of reconciliation, you know, I, I may lose 10 friends, but that one friend that I got that is willing to send such beautiful words to me, I mean, oh, hit me in the feels and I'm grateful for that. But maybe it's also for other Indigenous that are listening to understand that some of our voices are being heard. Um, you know, I know a lot of people don't like it coming from me and my messaging, but I'm a big believer that like all human beings, you know, you go to school, you have to hear something like seven times before you really grasp it. And I feel the same way about Indigenous issues that for a lot of Canadians, it's going to take seven times. And the first few times are really going to hurt. 
And unfortunately, I'm that person. And as Harlan Pruden said, it's like Buckley's. You got to swallow it and it's gross and it sucks, but it works. And it was so funny when he said that. Oh, my God. But, you know, I'm hoping, okay, so you don't like it from Michelle Robinson. You don't like it from other activists, but there will come a native that you come across and they will say it and they will say it in a in a way that you will grasp it because it'll be the seventh time. So, you know, I um I really value I want this person to know and any other Sylvan Lakers that I grew up with to know, like it really means the world to know that you you've hung with me and gone down this journey with me because you did watch me grow up and you probably at times saw me really lash out and be angry and I didn't understand why and you didn't understand why none of us understood why and only now can I name it and say you know that angry hurt that intergenerational trauma the trauma that I was experiencing as a young child that I couldn't name it you couldn't name it. I couldn't name it. Um, and we didn't understand it yet. And here we are now as adults. And now, you know, my friendship with you is that much more richer because you were willing to come down this journey with me and talk with me and, and be willing to expose your vulnerabilities so that I know that my uh, vulnerabilities that I, I highlight on this podcast are being heard and, and being absorbed by some so, so thank you for that private message and, and, um, other folks, if you, you want to share those types of messages, if you do it publicly, I can share it and then I can give hope to other indigenous. But if you do it privately, um, I'll probably ask you if I can anonymously uh, say it and, um, uh, go from there. So anyway, um, you know, that's it. Every day is a new day. And the other day we had a book club and I uh, really was enjoying the conversation. We were just wrapping it up and we had um, one of the staff come down and just be so rude to us that even the white guy felt that he had to go up and say, that was really unacceptable for you to kick us out. Um, for those who do not know, the public library closes at nine and our book club was ending at 830. It was like 832 when she came down and she was so rude to us. And uh, I don't think it was a coincidence that it was, you know, the Indigenous book clubs she felt empowered to do that to. The irony being, mainly people um, who are non-Indigenous come to it so that they are learning. And, uh, you know, so they they spoke up. And it, it sucks because, you know, we're supposed to be working on reconciliation. And it was such a great example of systemic racism and barriers that we constantly face. Like, it's not enough that I have to go outside every um, time to smudge, but, you know, because they just won't do the smudging inside. But then to actually be spoken down to like that, I was really grateful that um, the non-Indigenous folks in my book club spoke up. But I tell you, most of it, we were shocked. We were all shocked. And uh, folks had, had come for years, said that they were shocked that that had happened. So, you know, um, and then another incident just happened to me just before we started the podcast. <laughs> oh my God, this is so funny. So for those who do not know, there's actual a law and I've had to cite this since, you know, being in politics since what, 2011 and door knocking for, 
this person or now myself actually running. Um, but I was door knocking and there's an actual law that allows campaigners to go campaign. Like that's a law. You can't undo the law. And the reason for that law is because of what happened. I was with these two young, wonderful volunteers just trying to do a good thing and go door knocking. And this angry, like, you know, 60 plus white guy comes out and he's like, how did you guys get into this apartment complex? And the poor young liberal or young uh, campaigner, cam, uh, volunteer is like, uh, <laughs> uh, we were let in. And, and uh, you could just see the shock on this. I mean, these are our, you know, youth under the age of 30 being spoken to down, spoken, yelled at by, uh, by this grumpy old man. And, uh, you know, he came storming out and he's like, I'm going to escort you guys out. So you follow me. And I looked at the two and I was like, uh, he can walk himself out. You do not have to follow him. And the, just the shock on these poor two young volunteers. I was so like, oh my God. So I encouraged him to call the cops because I knew the cops would um, actually laugh at him, frankly, <laughs> because they know the law too. And worst case scenario, they do send a patrol call. Um, it would be good because, uh, you know, the, technically this guy was harassing us. So um, anyway, but we talked to the campaign manager and they were just like, ah, just get out of there for now. So we did. <sighs> but I really wanted to fight that fight because this guy was such a jerk. And especially to young volunteers. Like, come on. But I don't think it's a coincidence that a visibly native woman happened to be with these two young campaigners. And that all ensued. I'm sure it's not a coincidence. But, you know, for the benefit of a doubt, let's pretend it is. But for real, what kind of guy comes out and t speaks down to people like that? Learn the bloody law, people. Jesus fucking Christ. Anyway, so uh, I talked a little bit about voices. Um, you know, people have been attacking us because, um, you know, we, uh, we talk about Indigenous issues and we talk about racism. I mean, I can tell you today, youth are walking down in Forest Long Dover area and getting stopped by the cops and, you know, demanded that they produce receipts for their Slurpees. That's happening right now in my neighborhoods, okay? So, like, that's not something you can just make up. That's happening. You can just stop the youth and talk to them. They're being policed at the schools over their hair. It's stupid. It's it's a, all of its human rights violations. But because they come from families that are busy and they're working, it's like it's not a fight that they care about that they're that they're going to fight. I'm mad about it, and I know other people are angry about it. But it's it's happening. It's been happening, and. Because people are, you know, yelling at volunteers door knocking that, you know, stuff like this is stuff that really matters is not being looked at. Um, indigenous women being shot and killed by the Calgary police. You know, these are major issues. Um, our sex workers being attacked by people who claim to care about the neighborhood. It's awful. Um, this is the type of marginalization we're talking about. And it was wonderful having Harlan Pruden to talk to about um supervised consumption sites because like I said I, I just can't imagine denying folks health care 
based off of their socioeconomic status. Like it's in, it's incredible to me. That's the where we're at in 2019. And of course, who are the most marginalized? LGBTQ2 plus youth who've been kicked out of their house for being LGBTQ2 plus. Um, you know, a lot of addicts who have just been unable to find services. These supervised consumption sites give you those services. I can't believe I have to explain this to people, actually. I'm just getting mad thinking about it. But you know what people care about? They care about their property values. And because of that, and, you know, property values on stolen land is kind of a contradiction when it comes to Indigenous rights. I guess that's why I'm here chatting about these issues. Anyway, I have um, a really happy thing to talk about, and that's... Um, uh, I don't even know how to say this. Otapiaki. Otapiaki. Spirit Striped Wolf. He had me um, come and do some, I guess, uh, judging of people who had submitted, uh, you know, whether it was fashion clothing or whether it was accessories for a fashion show. So uh, Otapiaki 2019 is coming up and it's an Indigenous Beauty Fashion and Design Week. And my daughter said, oh, my God, mom, you are the last person who has the rights to be, you know, judging anybody off of their fashion. <laughs> and while she is actually correct, um, the theme is about, you know, protest and indigenous sovereignty. And um, so I actually did have the rights to be there. And um, when I was looking at some of the the uh, submissions, like things that I was looking for were you know, did they acknowledge, acknowledge in any way, shape or form LGBTQ2 plus rights? Um, cause obviously that matters to me. Um, our, our, uh, indigenous youth are so marginalized right now. Um, a lot of pronouns not being utilized, all those things. There was, um, you know, was the message, uh, in regards to, there were some submissions that were breathtaking, about missing and murdered indigenous women and uh they so breathtaking I wanted to cry on the spot and um so you know th those things I think it really matters that we t we start telling our story in the in the clothes we wear and such if people are unwilling to have those meaningful conversations with us you know just I mean it's really hard to judge anybody's art as unworthy um their fashion is unworthy that's almost impossible um, but of course, funding issues suddenly, suddenly, all of a sudden, um, you know, some kind of change in government happens and suddenly we have funding issues. Amazing how that happened. It's like somebody's been talking about it or indigenous have been talking about it for decades, but whatever. Anyway, anyway, fashion, uh, tickets. Um, so O T A H P I A A K I dot com. That's where you're going to find your updates and your tickets. I'm going to be sharing, but basically mark your calendars for October 19th to the 26th and November 2nd to the 9th. And that's when the fashion show is going to be happening and the design week. And it's just, it's beautiful. I'll just read you this little opening uh, piece that they give. And it says, we are honoring once again to be a gathering place for indigenous fashion designers, artists, musicians, and performers showcasing and, and celebrating indigenous beauty in all its forms, intellectual, physical, emotional, and spiritual. Also, the Lang International Year of Indigenous Languages 
According to the United Nations, we celebrate and raise awareness to the consequences of the endangerment of indigenous languages across the world and the need to link language, lifeways, justice, balance, truth, and reconciliation. Um, oh boy, dear Blackfoot language keepers, I apologize for this. Esotoyokasini encourages and platforms the stories and designing designers collections and their visual uh, visualization of language and message in pattern form and action join us for a workshop or an event so again o t a p ah scratch that o t a h p i a a k i dot com otapiaki so that's that's the work that's being done there and I was given a beautiful pillow and a lantern with all sorts of fun stuff like Sudoku and oh, oh my God, I loved it, loved it. But it was really fun collaborating with other people and seeing like, um, you know, long time elders and, and artists, you know, sharing their knowledge about uh, different folks. And at one point in time, I pointed out, this looks like uh, Dene, like, and, and then there was that conversation about, you know, the difference between Ojibwe and Dene flowers. And I was just like blown away and everything that I learned from all of the different people that were in the room, but just in general, the amazing work that people are doing. I can't even tell you each one, each person that submitted for that. Can I just say thank you? Thank you for, you know, me feeling so inspired. And I just wanted to cry at some of the submissions. I was grateful they sent it to me. Um, in an email form before we all met in person, because there was some that are just, you know, absolutely worth crying over. Anyway, anyway, I wanted to leave on a good note that way. Um, two great things to celebrate would have been that private message from a friend of mine that I grew up with. But also, um, I want to celebrate, obviously, this design and, and fashion week of Indigenous beauty, Otapiaki. I'm really really grateful that I got that opportunity and I can't wait for everybody to get their tickets and be a part of that. Indigenous have been talking about our issues, sharing our traumas in reports, commissions, and in public hearings, just so it can be regularly disregarded. No more. Honor our words. Honor the treaties. Listen to politicians and their platforms and their policies. If they don't recognize the marginalized in their budget with Gender Equity Plus, they are cutting violence prevention program services, indigenous education, uterus health choices, um, you know, gay-straight alliances. Know that your vote to that party directly negatively impacts marginalized people. Demand that they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action. The recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples. The multiple reports on child welfare reform. Uh, violence prevention, and now the 231 calls to justice from the National Inquiry on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls. Denying those reports is a form of abuse called gaslighting. Our people are experiencing extreme racism in the educational, justice, health, and child welfare institutions with multiple reports that say the same things. Demand change from election platforms and politicians. If they do not understand colonialism, Racism, privilege, um, power, sexism. They literally have zero business running. You should be understood by all parties, all local politicians, community organizations, sports, clubs, etc. Violence is just my everyday reality. Every Indigenous generation has faced it. That's why I started this podcast, to be able to speak freely without interruption, 
without tone police, without leadership shaming, without gaslighting questions, as many people don't want to hear Indigenous opinion, but sure want to tell us their shitty, uneducated um, <laughs> point of view, usually by people who know nothing about Indigenous, know nothing about colonialism, know nothing about the constant surveillance of Indigenous people, our protests, our vigils, our rights, just typical microaggressions, people dealing with internalized racism, who became who become the gatekeepers that survive off the status quo, or people who are so in their trauma that they stop people from doing the work and deplete personal resources. Internal and external racism is an everyday reality for Indigenous people, and that's why I needed this boundary, so this podcast, so that we can be heard. My hope is that one day my daughter and my family will be proud uh, discussing these present-day issues in a way that they can understand. Always encourage cultural safety uh, so that you can create safer spaces for Indigenous people of color, those with disability, LGBTQ2+, uh, those who are Black, immigration. Uh, look at as first aid for marginalization. So you, first you have to do something. Having good intentions is not enough. You have to take action to make cho change. You have to speak out against racism, um, discrimination in any form. Ask questions of those with more understanding, find allies, create a support system for yourself so that you can help advocate for safe, culturally safe approaches. Take responsibility for your own learning. Read, reflect, listen to my podcast, ask questions. Do not expect this learning to come from Indigenous people always or from Black people or from uh, those with disabilities or those in the LGBTQ2 plus community. Seriously, I have this podcast. There are so many podcasts on in each one of these subjects. So there actually is no reason for people to be like, Dear Michelle, do I call you native or aboriginal? You know, these are stupid questions. Seriously, Google. Um, take time for self-reflection. Be aware of your own assumptions and biases. Bloody hell, folks. I see it every day in myself. Question everything you've learned about Indigenous people and take steps to actively disrupt those stereotypes. Commit to lifelong learning. Uh, be prepared to be uncomfortable. Understanding colonialism and the legacy of racism is an ongoing and difficult task. And you can find that information at heretohelp.bc.ca. Visions, Indigenous people, what is Indigenous cultural safety and why I should care about it. Uh, internalized racism or lateral violence is another form of violence Indigenous and marginalized folks experience by the structure of racism imposed upon these lands, such as the Indian Act, Indian residential schools, and other land-clearing policies. Uh, another thing you can look up is racialequitytools.org. They have a really great article about what is internalized racism. Also, the American Friends Service Committee has a really great do and don'ts for bystander intervention about what to do when you see instances of racism, anti-black, anti-Muslim, anti-trans, or any other form of oppressive interpersonal violence and harassment. And you can use those tips to intervene while considering the safety of everybody involved. You know, first make your presence known, uh, make eye contact with the person being harassed and ask them if they want support. Move yourself near the person being harassed if possible. And you feel that you can do so, create a distance or a barrier between the person being harassed and the attacker. If it's safe to do so, the person being harassed consents, film or record the incident. Folks, it's a hell of a lot easier to delete it later than wish you had it. Take cues from the person being harassed. Um, you can make suggestions like, would you like to walk with me over here? Would you like to move to another C-train car? Would you like them to leave you alone? 
follow their lead, uh, follow up after, give them your name and your number so that if they, you know, it takes time to process when shitty things happen and, um, you can always give them your name and your number. And if they choose to throw it away after a day or two, that's fine. But chances are they may call you back as, as somebody who just validated them. Do what you have to do to keep you both safe. Assess your surroundings. Is there something that you can pull in for support? Can you, you know, press the red button on C-Train? Um, can you move to a safer place? Know your exits, you know, that type of thing. Don't call the police. For many communities experiencing harassment now, Indigenous, Arab, Muslim, Black, queer, trans, immigrant, the police can actually cause greater danger for the person being harassed. And if the folks who called the police on, uh, you know, Robin Fiddler are listening, this is for you. Because had you not done that, she may be not dead today. Don't escalate the situation. <laughs> yeah, I need to take my own advice on this. Because even today I was, uh, I was so angry at that person. I could have de-escalated it more, but I was very, I just wanted them to not, this guy to not attack these um, young volunteers. Don't escalate the situation. Goal is to get that person being harassed to safety and not incite further violence from the attacker. Don't do nothing. Silence is dangerous. Communicates approval and leaves the victim high and dry. If you find yourself too nervous or afraid to speak out, move closer to the person being harassed and communicate your support. Um, teach your children about accountability in a positive way. I'm going to read Penny Middleton's tweet. We should teach our girls this phrase. Oh, what did you mean by that? As it's a subtle way to hold people accountable and teach our girls that sitting in discomfort is not a gender prerequisite. Uh, January 18th, 2018 is when that tweet went out. So it's already over a year old. Um, if you're experiencing emotional distress and want to talk, call the First Nation Inuit Hope for Wellness line at 1-855-242-3310. It's toll-free and it's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I want to say thank you to my ancestors, my granny, my mom of what strength looks like through your example. I want to thank my dad for teaching me to be blunt and strong. My stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is through your Austrian roots and teaching me to be a proud Calgarian. It's through you. I am a second generation uh, Calgarian. I say thank you to my husband for producing and editing this show on top of being my husband, childhood friend, father of our child and support down my journey of the red road. He has witnessed decades of racism and sexism and to our child who we are blessed to learn from daily. We are honored you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a better, stronger person. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. So I'd like to say thank you to Alexandria, Ashley, Beatrice, Celine, Diana, Heather, Jocelyn, Joni, Judy, Kenna, Kimberly, Lee, Matt, Nancy, Nathan, Phyllis, Cheryl, Sharon, sorry, the Sprawl, Tiffany, Vanessa, and Veronica. Thank you all for signing up. If you did one donation or many and had to quit for financial reason, just please know I appreciate your support. And I know that uh, this month's proceeds are all going to go to the uh, Kanai Youth Basketball Association. So if you value listening and can afford to give, thank you. For those who cannot afford to give but listen in, love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com where you can send in your comments or questions. We are also on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And thank you, Lee uh, Laranger, for your comment. If your podcast is a blend of self-empowerment and healing for you, 
then it is propelled into the sound waves as I feel them here. And I want to end uh, with when I give the side eye to Calgary rabbits, you're lucky you're not that I am not tradish. And my beautiful cousin would say, or you'd be in my dish. With that, thank you. <laughs>